But as you pray throughout the day, God will give you His presence. You'll feel more of God's presence with you throughout the day. You'll feel more of His comfort. You'll feel more of His peace. And you'll feel more of His wisdom. Because God wants to give these things to His children. Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter 5. Now we're going to read together verses 21 to 24. Folks watching online at home, please have your Bible open, Genesis chapter 5, and read along with us. It's very important. You know, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So let's uh, use our voices and we'll hear the word of God tonight. So Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 2 and including verse 24. So let's begin now, shall we? And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now this is our third lesson on this subject. Let's learn how to pray. And by now, I hope we've all learned that real prayer is far more than just saying a special formula so as to get what we want. It's much, much more of a relationship with our wonderful Heavenly Father. Uh, and we need to enter into this relationship uh, more than just once a day in the morning. Well, I have something, as I mentioned, something a little special to share with you on this subject. So let's have a word of prayer, and then you may be seated, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed, this glorious opportunity to talk about prayer. And prayer is so vital, so very important for every child of God. It's certainly something that the devil doesn't want us to learn about. The devil shakes when the weakest of saints gets on his or her knees and prays. And so teach us how to be prayer warriors. Bless us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I would like to do just a little quick review with you uh, from the last two lessons that we've had uh, on, on prayer. Um, number one is make sure you're saved. If you're not saved, then you're not on praying ground. So you have to make sure that you're a born-again child of God. Proverbs 15.29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. So it's very important that we can ask this question, uh, do I know for sure that if I died today, I would go to heaven? And it's very important that we have the proper answer to that question. All right? The second thing was to get fixed anything that's broken. Anything in your relationship with God that is broken, get it fixed. Now, bear in mind that there's basically two kinds of breakage. Uh, number one, these little sins we might commit, you know, here or there, these little things, sometimes inadvertently, sometimes on purpose, but little things, one-offs. 
And we would ask the Lord forgiveness on that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then there are habitual sins that we're working on over a period of months, weeks, or even years. And these things, of course, are maybe a little more regrettable. I'm not sure, but they're definitely things that need to be overcome. And so we're always it seems, coming to the Lord and asking Him to forgive us again and get us on our feet and give us wisdom and that sort of thing. But get fixed anything that's broken, anything you know of, and then, of course, ask the Lord, um, is there anything else? Have I missed something? Search me, O God. It's important that we get broken things fixed. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it's very important that we get broken things fixed. Number three is that we allow time for the Holy Spirit to comfort us and strengthen us. And this is particularly true if you've just gotten a bunch of broken things fixed because, you know, your, your heart is still kind of uh, jumbled up a little bit. Um, if you've ever stubbed your toe on something, you know that hurts, doesn't it? Uh, the little things, your toes, your fingers, uh, you get a bump on the nose, these things hurt. And even though the cause of the offense is, is stopped now, it's gone, it continues to hurt and throb. And it'll take time to settle that down. And it's sort of similar when we come to God getting broken things fixed that, you know, we still need our, our hearts comforted. And God wants to do that. And the Holy Spirit is very good at that. He is the comforter. Uh, John fourteen eighteen, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So God really does want to comfort us. And that's the important part of healing, important part of strengthening. And so that was lesson number one. Then last week, lesson number two, on let's learn how to pray, uh, was, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, that was, uh, yeah, that, this was still part of lesson one. There's a lot of little points here. <laughs> Easy to get uh, mixed up, but let, let the Lord speak to your heart. Well, anyhow, whether it was part of lesson one, maybe this was definitely part of lesson two, but let the Lord speak to your heart. In a relationship, you have to have communication. And communication is key. Open, honest communication is key to any relationship. You'll find that true everywhere. It's true certainly in business. When you talk to a, a business owner, he or she talks to you, you want to have open, honest communication. You don't want to be lied to. And you don't want someone to clam up on you. Unfortunately, that happens in marriage, doesn't it? People who've been married for any length of time have probably experienced getting into an argument and then not talking to each other. Communication breaks down right away. You know what? The devil wants to break down our communication with God. And the first area the devil seems to attack is our Bible reading and our prayer. When someone gets involved with sin, the last thing they want to do is go and see God about it because they know they're guilty. And the old devil, 
I mean, he's been doing this since the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve committed sin. What'd they do? They took off. They went out in the forest and hid amongst the trees. Sometimes people who say, I don't have to go to church. I could worship God out in the forest, out in the trees. Yeah, just like Adam and Eve when they ran from God, maybe. Well, the old devil is trying to break down the communication. God speaks to us. We speak to God. That is key in a relationship. And prayer will be meaningless. You may as well repeat Gregorian chant let alone pray, if there's no communication. Communication is so important. And so, God speaks first. We get into the the Bible. That's how God speaks to us. Did you know that in the Bible, it says, Thus saith the Lord. And it says that 415 times. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And so the Bible speaks to us. In 2 Timothy, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So all of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, those 66 books, they've all been inspired, God-breathed, and it's God's love letter to us. And so we take time and we, we read Scripture. Now, I've mentioned before that three things that we all ought to be looking for whenever we open our Bibles to let God speak to us is, number one, we ought to learn things about God himself. What he likes, what he doesn't like. We ought to learn things about his will for our lives. When God says, I want you to do this, I don't want you to do that. And then we should learn, number three, his promises the promises He makes for us. And those, we haven't gotten into that yet, but the promises of God are like a getting into a, an airplane or on a magic carpet or something or rising up with wings as eagles. It is wonderful to take the promises of God and to use them properly in prayer. You'll see a whole lot more answer to prayer that way. So we let the Lord speak to us. And then it's our turn to speak with God. And before we rush to God and say, okay, God, here's 17 things I want. And we start rattling them off. That's a little maybe premature. What we need to do is we need to come into His presence a little, a little bit more reverentially or respectfully. It's our turn to speak to God. And so I'd, I'd given you six things uh, in last week's lesson when you speak to God. Number one, you worship Him. And worship speaks of worth or value. Um, if you had something made of gold, that's valuable. Because I think gold is somewhere, give or take, above or below $1,800 an ounce. So uh, a little bit of gold goes a long way. Uh, It's valuable. A diamond is very small, but it's valuable. Something else, a ruby, is um, even even more valuable. Um, Take a look at your little fingernail, okay? 
Just go ahead. Take a look at your little fingernail. Do that. Go ahead. Look at it. Don't look at mine. Look at yours. Look at your little fingernail. A ruby that size is uh, worth in the neighborhood of $10,000. How about that? So that's, uh, that's worth something, isn't it? If you had a solid gold watch, that would be worth something. That wouldn't be worthless, even if the watch wasn't working. The gold in the watch would be worth quite a bit of money. And so when we worship God, we want to start learning how much He's worth. And God is worth a lot. And we need to express that uh, in our prayers. And I, I gave you an example that you could say to God, Dear Lord, you are the most valuable person in my life. And by the way, the Lord needs to be more valuable to you than any other human. Be it your husband or wife or your children or old Uncle Zeke who promised to keep you in his will. God has to be above every other person. That's the only place for God is first place in your life. And so it's something that we learn over time. And as we learn it, we get better at it. And we start seeing deeper depths of the worth of God. And we could say, you're the most important person in my life, Lord. My whole life revolves around you. Without you, I am nothing. And praying like that puts a high worth or value on God. And that's how we worship him. The second item was to praise him. And that idea of praise means to make a big show, a boast, sort of. Um, we express our joy over the Lord, particularly for the things he's done. An example, hallelujah, Lord, I praise you for your love and your kindness and your wisdom and your mighty power. I praise you for answers to prayer. I praise you for all of the blessings you've given me. That's part of praise. Number three was to sing to him. And I'm not going to do that tonight. I did that last, uh, last Sunday. Um, but it, it means to sing a nice hymn or chorus to God. And you might not think that you have a very good voice. And I don't know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But that's not the point. It's not whether your voice is, is clear and pitch perfect or it's kind of shaky and you have trouble holding a note. That's not the point. The point is you are singing to the Lord and he loves to hear us sing. Um, those of us who are parents, we've had children, maybe small children, and they have sung a song to us. Mommy, Daddy, I learned a song. And they stand there and they sing it. And maybe they're off key, you know, a little bit. But you know as a parent what that does for your heart. And you just love your little munchkin. Well, God wants to hear us sing. And when we, we sing a, one of the choruses that uh, Pastor Silver leads us in on Sunday mornings, we can sing those. Or maybe you have some other favorite hymn or something. You sing that to the Lord. That goes a long way with God. That really helps build relationship. That communication, two-way communication. All right, the next is um, to thank him. And indeed, thank him for the blessings. 
If you have a husband, thank him for your husband. If you have a wife, thank him for your wife. If you have children, thank him for your children. If you have a home, thank him for your home. If you have a car, a job, if you've got uh, a nice church, if you've got uh, nice clothes, good food to eat, clean water to brush your teeth with, the blessings after blessings. Hmm? Thank him. Thank him for these things. Number five is to express your love and affection to God. Now, you don't have to use this order. I just put them down in this order as they came to me, but you can mix up the order, and that's fine. And maybe the variety would do you good. But you need to pray and tell them, Heavenly Father, I love you. I really love you. My heart is so much in love with you. I adore you. Please accept my love, my affection, my adoration. Lord God, please receive it. I offer it like a gift. And so we need to, to tell them that we love them. And then number six uh, was to obey him. And uh, this helps keep our relationship in proper perspective. He is the creator. We are the creation. He is almighty God. <laughs> We're weak, broken humans saved by grace. But we need to obey him. That's the best um, obedience you can ever give is obedience to God. And so you tell him that in prayer. Father, I give you my life today. You're the boss. I'll be the servant. You tell me what you want me to do. And I'll do my best to serve you, Lord. I want to serve you more than I want to serve myself. So help me with this, Lord. And so anyhow, you have here now two lessons. The first one is get on praying ground and get broken things fixed. And the second one here is get the communication going. Very important. We get the communication going. Um, just a little tip, but you could apply some of these points in your marriage. Husbands and wives could apply some of these. And maybe even parents and children could apply a few of these principles of communication. That would help bring a little bit of heaven into the home, I think. Well, tonight I want to share with you now a new aspect of prayer. This is something that I believe is, is not... Uh, some novel thing, a take it or leave it, but I do believe that it's a very important part uh, to develop our ability to have a meaningful prayer relationship with God. Um, and it's to start talking to God throughout the day. Just to talk to God throughout the day. Some people refer to this as conversational prayer. And conversational prayer with God gets us into the habit of being comfortable in His presence. I'm so thankful to God for the, the people we have in this church that will get up and sing special music. It's always a blessing, always. But you know, these people who get up and sing special music, maybe years ago, the first time they got up, they were very uncomfortable. And they were all fidgety and nervous. And I don't know, maybe they even hiccuped while they were trying to sing. Something just didn't go right there. But they weren't really comfortable with it. But then after months and after years, they're very comfortable. They're comfortable with the sound of their own voice. They're comfortable with the control of the voice, with the hymn that they're singing, with the uh, appearance of people looking at them. They're very they're very calm, they're very comfortable with that. Now that's not to say that we should get overconfident. 
but we do need to become comfortable in our communication with God. And this is going to require conversational prayer, but as we get better at it, prayer actually becomes a whole lot more fun and exciting. That is true. Now you're in Genesis. I hope you're still in Genesis. Chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 22. It says, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. That was his son. And it says here, 300 years. So that's how long he walked with God. Look at verse 24. And Methuselah, I'm sorry, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So this is the case where he suddenly disappeared. He'd been walking with God for 300 years. The walk had gotten closer and better and better. And it seems someone once said that Enoch and God went for a long walk one day and God looked at Enoch and said, Enoch, it's getting late. Why don't you come home with me tonight? And all of a sudden, Enoch was gone. And by the way, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that Enoch went home by faith. He did it by faith. Imagine that. So there's something about that maybe we won't fully understand till we see Enoch and we get to talk to him. But here's the point. The Bible here tells us that Enoch started walking with God after he fathered a son. No doubt Enoch knew about God. Probably knew a fair little bit from some of the other saints that came before him. He would have learned. He would have heard. But he never walked with God until after he fathered a son. You say, that's odd. Well, maybe, maybe not. A lot of people, after they have their very first baby, they're holding their baby and they're looking into their baby's eyes and they're just overcome with the miracle of birth that this little person, you know, was inside mommy's tummy for all these months and this is what they look like and this is what they feel like and this is what they sound like. Wow. And then maybe also Enoch realized, I've never been a father before. How do I do this? And maybe that drove him to God and said, God, I'm going to need some help here. Now, all that's just speculation. We don't know. But we do know that after he had a son, that's when he felt a deep need to reach out to God because that's when he started walking with God. So whatever it was that caused him to reach out to God, that's just what Enoch did. And he started to walk with God and it made a big difference in his life. Um, Adam was also someone who would walk and talk with God. Now we know in chapter 3, after Adam and Eve committed their sin, that God came in the cool of the evening, walking in the garden and calling for Adam. And Adam responded to God. He didn't say, who's that? Who's that calling my name? Who are you? He didn't do that at all. He responded to God in such a way that we realize he was comfortable talking to God. Now, he was still feeling guilty for his sin. But he had been used to walking and talking with God. There was a, a comfortableness, at least, in that relationship. 
God still had to deal with his sin problem. And Adam was feeling guilty and scared. But there's strong evidence there that Adam knew how to talk with God because he'd been doing it. For how long? We're not sure. But he had been talking with God. Noah was another man in the Bible. It says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, Noah walked with God. And no doubt, Noah talked with God. You see? Two people walking together. What do they usually do? Hmm? Yeah, they talk. Right. Let's go for a walk together. Oh, well, that normally means we're going to talk as well. And, you know, you may talk about the weather. You may talk about the future, the past, the present, likes and dislikes, anything you want. But the communication is going on. That's why we read that scripture tonight about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And that, folks, that's what we're after. We're after a, a relationship with God so that it's very normal, very natural for us to turn to Him in prayer and to talk with Him, to talk with Him. So that's what we're getting at here. Now take your Bible, please, and turn to the New Testament. I want you to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Folks at home, 1 Thessalonians. Let's see who gets there first. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. Some folks have these uh, tabulated Bibles, and so they look on the, the side and they see number 1, THS or something, and they just, with their thumb, there, there they are. Well, good for you. The rest of us got to find it. Good for us, too. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want you to read verse 17 out loud with me. I know you all have masks on, so you have to read out a little bit louder so that I can hear you, all right? Verse 17, here we go. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Oh, but pastor, how can I possibly do that if I'm working on the factory line or I'm performing brain surgery, I've got to, you know, focus right in there. How can I, uh... well, there's a way to do it. The Bible teaches us that we need to be in regular, constant communication. This is more than just having uh, a little morning time once a day talking with God. I mean, that's very important. And you've heard me say how important it is that we have a prayer closet time. But this is different. What we're talking about here is having conversational talks with God throughout the day. And this is a habit we have to get into. We're not born this way, folks. It's a habit we have to develop. And it's a skill we have to learn. Any communication is a skill. Some people are not very good at opening up a conversation with a stranger. In fact, a lot of people... You put them in a room with a bunch of strangers and they just kind of, you know, they don't know what to do, right? Have you ever gone into an elevator and there's a stranger there? You know, you don't even look at them. You look up at the numbers, that sort of thing, that feeling. Now, some people seem to be very gifted at just naturally opening up conversations and they seem so easy to talk to. How did they get that way? Well, they weren't born that way. That was a skill they had to learn. 
And many of them learned it as children. Many of them learned it as adults. But these people are more in the minority than the majority. Most of us tend to just kind of, you know, we're wallflowers. And, you know, we kind of stand there with our hands behind our back and our head looking down. Well, when it comes to conversational prayer with God, we're going to have to get our, our hands out from behind us and we're going to have to start getting our, our eyes looking, looking up to the Lord. It's a skill, it's a habit we need to get into. A very important one, I believe. Now, doesn't it make sense that walking close with God means you'll be also talking with God? If you're not going to walk close with God, then you're not going to talk much with Him. That makes sense. If you're not going to walk with Him, why would you talk to Him? But if you're going to walk with God, especially a close walk, it has to make sense that we're going to talk with Him. Now, those of you who are parents, can you imagine if your children only talked to you when they wanted something? Whenever they want something, then they come and they knock on your door or they come and they say, uh, Mom, uh, Dad, I want this. I want that. Would you do this for me? Would you please give me one of those and two of these as well? And then after they get what they want, then they turn and you never hear from them. I don't think any parent would want that. Parents normally, naturally, want a little communication with the children. They want to talk about things. How was your day today? Oh. You know, the conversation that goes on sometimes when um, your child comes home from school. How was your day? Eh, I guess okay. What did you learn? Nothing. Boy, that's a familiar story. You learned nothing? Oh, I guess not. You went to school all day and you didn't learn a thing. Well, I don't know. Right? You get that kind of answer. Not much communication. When we talk, we would like to get some intelligent response. It's very important that we develop the habit of communicating with God. I really believe this with all my heart. And uh, I read a story many years ago about a Christian man during World War II. And this Christian man was ordered to guard duty. Now that's very critical um, job, guard duty, during war. But he was arrested because his sergeant saw his head down with his eyes closed and he thought that the, the Christian young man was asleep or trying to sleep. And the young man said, no, I, I, I wasn't sleeping. Oh, don't, don't add lying to your list of sins. <laughs> the sergeant... Uh, now, falling asleep during wartime on guard duty is punishable by death. Like, this is a, this is a capital offense. This is serious. Guard duty is very, very important during times of war. And so the sergeant brought the young man in to see the colonel. He thought so that uh, the colonel would judge him and mete out the, the penalty, be it in the death firing squad or whatever. And the colonel said, young man, what do you say for yourself? He said, colonel, I, I, I promise you, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sleeping. Well, what were you doing? I was praying. You were praying, said the colonel. Yes, sir, I was praying. The colonel said, 
Son, I'll give you one chance to prove your innocence. Start praying right now. And the young man fell on his knees and he started to pour his heart out before God. And after a minute or two, the colonel said, All right, son, that's enough. He said, I don't believe anyone could pray like that unless you were in the habit of spending a lot of time alone with God. So I believe you. You're free to go. Conversational prayer. I want to suggest we all get in the habit of talking things over with God through the day. And I'm going to give you now six suggestions. You can write them down if you like. And it's nothing profound, but it's practical. Six suggestions. Number one, go ahead and tell God what you're thinking, what you're thinking about when you're thinking about something or someone. Go ahead and tell God about it. Now, Lord, I'm thinking about this, this plan. I'm thinking about this new order I've been given. I'm, I'm thinking about what someone said to me. I'm, I'm thinking about this special person in my life. Number two, ask God for His opinion or His advice on something you're thinking about. Lord, what do you think? What should I do about this? Lord, help me to see beyond the nuts and bolts here. Help me to, to really understand it as you see it. Ask God's opinion. God has an opinion. So ask number three. When someone comes up to you and asks you a question, right away in your heart, you're asking God for wisdom. Right away. Someone says, can I ask you a question? And you say, sure. And you're saying in your heart, Lord, give me wisdom. It's a, like a flare prayer. You shoot it up quick and you're asking God for wisdom. Number four, when you feel angry or guilty or afraid, those are the three major negative emotions that all humans experience. Anger, fear, and guilt. And when you feel these things, you ask God to uh, comfort your heart and to tell you what to do and to give you wisdom. Why am I feeling so guilty? Why am I feeling afraid? Lord, why am I feeling angry? So when you're feeling those things. Number five, when you see a need in someone's life, be it a friend at work or school or a neighbor, <clears throat> possibly a relative, family member, and they have a need, physical need, mental, emotional, financial, you know, whatever it is, they have a need, talk to God about it. Pray for them. Say, Lord, there they are. Please comfort them. Give them wisdom. Please protect them. Please bless them. Number six, remember to tell God you appreciate them that you love them. Don't let the day go by without expressing your appreciation to God. You get in your car, Lord, thank you for this car. You get home at night, Lord, thank you for giving me safety, going out and coming back. So those are just a few uh, practical suggestions. But as you pray throughout the day, God will give you His presence. 
you'll feel more of God's presence with you throughout the day. You'll feel more of His comfort. You'll feel more of His peace. And you'll feel more of His wisdom. Because God wants to give these things to His children. But as is usual, ye have not because ye ask not. And we fail to ask. Very important that we remember to ask. Um, I read a story by the wife of missionary Jonathan Goforth. They went to China and did amazing work for God. Well, they came back. The, the Boxer Revolution forced them to have to leave the country. And so they came back. And so they went to uh, different churches giving testimony and encouraging. And this one day, she had misplaced something. I think it was her, her purse or pocketbook or something. And it also had money and documents in it. And she was starting to look for it and look for it. And she'd look here in this room and that room and upstairs and downstairs. She got her uh, helper. She had a kind of a helper maid. And you look too. And finally, after about an hour, it suddenly occurred to her. She never asked God to show her where it was. So she stopped and she bowed her head and prayed and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I... I've been looking and running around like a chicken without its head. And Lord, you know where that pocketbook is. Would you please show me? In Jesus' name, amen. And within um, a minute to two minutes, she found the pocketbook. I learned many years ago that when I'm working with something and it drops out of my hand, like a tiny little screw out of something. My wife comes to me and says, Honey, could you take a look at this, fix this? All right. And I take the screwdriver, I take the screw out, and it drops on the floor. And you know what happens. Boing, it bounces. In a nanosecond, it's disappeared. It's gone. And it can go under, fall under crazy little places. And you're down looking. Well, I've learned to get into the habit. As soon as it's dropping... Lord, help me to find that. I shoot up a flare prayer. Great time to pray. And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't purposely knock the screw out of my fingers just to get me to pray, to remind me, hey, I'm here. And God, like 99.99% of the time, always, He shows me where it is. And um, I figure, well, that 0.001% he didn't want me to find it anyhow. He's got something else in mind, so I trust him. But always, always be asking God and bringing God into the situation and get into the habit. And this will make your special time, your prayer time, your prayer closet, this will make it even more special. It'll become more meaningful, more exciting, and uh, you will learn through prayer how to walk with God like Enoch walked with God. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.